It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. How did Jonathan Hankins play in his first game with the Cowboys? All that and more. All 22 notes in this episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys. Your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And as always, we're free and available on all platforms. Today's episode of the Lockdown Cowboys podcast is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less in their Prize Pick projection, you can win up to ten times your money on any entry. First time users can receive a one hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars with promo code Locked On. That is PrizePicks.com promo code Locked On. I am Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. He is Landon McCool. Check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, what's going on, sir? Let's go. And uh, we're, we are at Thursday and doing a very late in the week uh, All-22 okay. review. That's what we got with the bye week. So we've got lots of stuff to talk about. But it's always good to go back and kind of examine exactly what happened, especially in such a fun game such as this one. Yes. Uh, so let's do it and jump right into it. I want to talk yeah. about Jonathan Hankins. Mm-hmm. Um, since we really didn't get to touch on him much on Monday or throughout the week, really, uh, how do you think he played in his first game with the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, frankly, you know, it's funny because, like, when the trade deadline came and passed, we all forgot that we had already traded for Jonathan Hankins, and that was the big glaring need that I feel like they did fill. Uh, and, and I think that the Chicago game showed it. He, he didn't play a ton of snaps. I think he played something like – and maybe you have it in front of you, but something like 15, yep. yeah, 15 to 20 snaps or something like that. Uh, but I thought he was fantastic. And, and, and you could notice the difference in having someone like that in the middle of your defense. He was able to control his his gaps. Uh, he obviously absorbed double teams. Uh, he was, you know, he, he one of the things that we had talked about previous to this was that he wasn't a, a great tackler. I mean, you know, he, he's more of a kind of a, a, a stoning double teams and, and, and just, uh, just not allowing a, a offensive lineman to get to the second level. But I thought that he actually looked pretty fantastic in this game at taking on double teams and then managing to, if not slip past the guard, then tackle the running back with the guard at times and sure. just push, you know, push the, the lineman back into him. So, uh, you know, he had a couple of snaps that, that uh, you know, it felt like he got turned around on. 
but I thought overall it showed a lot of promise for exactly what you're looking for from Hankins uh, in a guy that can control his portion of the line of scrimmage. Uh, you could pair him with someone like uh, Neville Gallimore or pair him with someone like Carlos Watkins and have a very solid uh, interior defensive line presence against the run. Yeah, so he had a uh, – he actually played way more snaps than you maybe thought. 34 snaps in this game. Good Lord. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. But that's – I it just I, – I remember seeing him a lot, but it just didn't feel like that would be logical that he played that many snaps. But it just he did. did record a pressure in this game, which yep. he hadn't done in a long time. Now the pressure was he kind of walked the center back a little bit, and Justin Fields ran almost into him. So Yep. Kind of counts as a pressure, but he did have one. Uh, where you saw him in this game was he's such a good run player, man. He yeah. had two stops, uh, two run stops in this game. He had three tackles, and every single one was within a yard of the line of scrimmage. So, yep. like, great. Um, he's not a flashy player. He's not somebody that if you're not watching the Cowboys, like if you're not a Cowboy fan, you're going to pay much attention to, but – he was pretty good in this game. He's exactly what they needed. And you probably people are listening to this thinking, how can he play good when the Cowboys gave up 200 and whatever yards rushing? It's because it really wasn't his fault. Honestly, it was, the big runs that Chicago got were on Justin Fields scrambling or design runs or runs outside of the tackles. It really wasn't up the middle at all. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if if you want to talk about the results of what happened, I think this is a separate conversation of Hankins. I, I think when Hankins was on the field, like I, I think John Mashota actually put out the splits as uh, on off field splits, and I don't necessarily agree with that all the time, but I think it kind of does show you like the drastic nature of of, of what was what it was like when he had when he was on the field when he wasn't. But I, I think overall, if you watch the tape of what the the problem was, is that you know they weren't calling holding. On anybody, like I mean, on, really, either side of the ball, either side of the ball. They they finally called a, a holding on uh, one of the offensive tackles uh, against uh, Parsons, Jones. where, yep. but uh, where you know, and, and, and that Parsons hold was so indicative of a lot of what they were doing. Right, they were crashing down on the on the edge, and then when the guy the linebackers were trying to redirect outside to chase the ball, they were preventing them from redirecting. They, you know, it's it's very savvy. Uh, Riley Reef, I, I mean, I swear to God, like held almost every play, but in, in a v- pure veteran move, like yeah. was so subtle about it. Like I honestly, as an OL guy, I, I, I loved it, honestly. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do think that a lot of what was going on is that you just saw a lot of uncalled holding and, and that combined with a team that has a very unique rushing attack in the sense that they have, a, you know, they're one of the probably three teams in the NFL that have a quarterback who is an incredibly dangerous rushing threat. Uh, and the, you know, the, the third element of this, which we should talk about as well, is the one thing that we guessed wrong about with the, with the Bears, and frankly, uh, I mean, I, I don't know who else would have done this, is that the Bears did not ever change their game script depending on nope. what the score was. Nope. They were going to run the football no matter what the score was. Uh, and, and so part that, of I think me that, wonders, like, I think they're just running because it's what they do best, and they're kind of just trying to work on stuff rather than trying to win yeah. games, which I don't. I honestly don't blame them, right? Because I'm not sure it's going to make a big difference whether they beat Dallas or not. But if they can really work on the run game and kind of build up to that Baltimore style of offense, I bet it's the best long-term thing for them to, to worry about. I, I think the one thing that they're developing there is if they can if they can uh, develop a a uh, a part of their offense that they can rely on, 
You know, yeah. like it, it, and that's what I think that the, 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 the having Justin Fields there and using him in, in the run game uh, combined with those other two running backs like that gives something that you could base an offense off of. Right. And yeah. then, and then you, you have counters off of that. You've got play action. All I just that yeah, stuff. They're trying to get that base part of the offense down, which absolutely hey, kudos to them. I think I think that organization has a long term goal in mind rather than just trying to steal wins in a season, which probably doesn't matter. Yeah, and even their passing attack, right? They didn't they didn't attempt a ton of passes down the field, but when they did, they were smart about it. It was it was quick, yep. it was in rhythm. He what they weren't trying to put Justin Field into a situation where he was having to navigate a pocket and wait for for uh, routes to develop downfield because they knew that that wasn't going to be beneficial to them. So right. lots of bootlegs, lots of backdoor stuff where that you know, Fields had room to escape. So uh yeah, I, I think that they're obviously the the numbers look concerning. Uh, 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 you know, as on the, as far as the rushing defense goes, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of teams out there that can replicate that, including the Eagles. Honestly, uh, maybe the Baltimore Ravens. There's right? just not teams that aren't going to be that patient to continue mm-hmm. to do that, right? There, and I mean, the Cowboys play the Packers here next week. If it gets to be a game where the Packers are down by 14 points, they're probably going to have to throw. I don't think they're just going to keep running just because they, they don't can. have to throw to. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Um, one more thought just on the defense in general before we move on. The Cowboys are stunting at a ridiculous level. I don't know if you've seen the article that Bob Stern put out that the Cowboys are uh, – Yeah, they're having, number one in the NFL. Yeah, 34% of, of the time they're stunting. I think the league average is like eight. Sounds right. Okay. Uh, so you're going to give up some big plays just when teams catch you in some stunts, right, and you're going to have some big lanes. But I will say one of the things that I'm starting to notice over the last couple of weeks is – and you saw this in week one, teams are attacking Trevon Diggs in the run game. And yeah. he's a corner. I don't expect him to be an elite run defender. He's got to get a, give a little bit more effort on some of this stuff. Well, I think the thing that's going to help that, honestly, is I think Hankins is going to help a lot with that because, honestly, it's not just that they're attacking Trayvon Diggs, right? Is Trayvon Diggs is the force player that's supposed to be pushing that back inside. What needs to be happening is those linebackers need to be getting to the outside and making that tackle as the cornerback forces them back inside. The problem is that's happening, or at least was happening previously a lot, is that Van Der Esch, you know, whoever your linebacker is, is getting caught up in the wash because you've got offensive linemen getting to the second level and sealing them off and yes. preventing them from getting outside. So the hope is that – and the other compounding factor here too is that you're playing often some undersized defensive ends on the point of attack side of these run games. So Michael sometimes – yep. Yeah, Parsons. I mean, not just Parsons. So Fowler is a little bit undersized at, at times for that. Uh, so I think you, you, as you've got these guys that you're relying you know, for pass rush uh, situations, uh, they're not being exposed, but it, it makes it more difficult to try to defend themselves uh, from a run def- run blocking offensive tackle who's coming outside. And then, like I said, you've got a a, a, a cornerback that's not you know a, a killer tackler. You've yeah. got uh, linebackers that are struggling to get onto the outside because they're being blocked. It, it becomes a perfect storm, uh, and that's why you've seen a lot of teams have success running on the edge against the Cowboys. Yep. All right, let's get to some more All-22 notes. But before we do that, we want to tell you about Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile will then handcraft a perfect engagement ring, and each ring is one of a kind. 
Make your moment sparkle with BlueNile.com and Locked On Cowboy listeners will get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use promo code LOCKEDON. That is promo code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured. It ships free, and it arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right. Do you have any more notes on the defense before we move on to the offense? Uh, you know, just a couple things real quick, just because I know folks are interested. I thought that Damone Clark looked pretty good. Yeah, let's talk um, about him just really quickly. How did you think he played in his first game? Uh, first of all, ludicrous speed confirmed. Like, that <laughs> dude is crazy fast. Yeah. Uh, there was one play where, you know, I thought for for the most part, just to speak to him overall, I thought for the most part he played pretty timid and that he, you know, he was kind of thinking about what was happening, which is not uncommon for rookie or young linebackers that are getting in there. They're still unsure what they're doing. You know, the difference is, is that when he sees it, like, he Flies. I, there was one play, I think it was the really long scramble that Fields had up the right sideline. And, and basically what happened is that uh, uh, Clark was on the backside of that and got caught up on a block when he, when he finally noticed that Fields was releasing outside and was running up the field. Clark ran from being blocked on the backside of that play to outrun all the rest of the defenders, including all the defensive backs that were chasing fields, including Javon Curse and everyone else. And, like, you could see – it's hilarious. You could see J-Ron Curse, like, running up the field trying to pursue uh, 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 fields. And then suddenly this wild, out-of-control uh, Clark comes sprinting across his face and tackles fields, like, upfield. It was like – and even Curse was like, where did that dude come from? It's it, And you see it several different other times. His speed – is absolutely outrageous for a guy his size. It's it's Parsons esque, you know. It's yeah. it's like it's unbelievable. So you saw a lot of that where he was getting sideline to sideline easily. I think that the hesitancy, that sort of stuff, will develop. It will go away as he's gotten more experience, as he's comfortable with what he's seeing. You know, there's a lot of complicated run game stuff that was happening in this game. Yeah. I thought he played pretty well, but I, I, it's lots of lots of upside there for sure. This wasn't necessarily the best matchup for him. Like I, no, even no, at LSU, is... like he's not a guy that's going to take on guards and just fill, you know, run lanes. Like it's not his game. Um, but I thought he, I mean, he looked fine, right? I don't yeah. think he certainly no. wasn't a problem out there at all. I don't, you know, it don't feel like there was any major plays that were given up by him or anything like that. I thought he, you know, he did his job and he wasn't noticed terribly, which is I thought huge. Uh, and then uh, Bland, I, I just have to mention, like, you know, 
just obviously continues to be just absolutely incredible in, in man coverage for a, a rookie cornerback. It's just shocking to see a guy that has already has that ability to turn and find the ball at the point of attack when it arrives. Uh, that's something that's so hard for young corners to develop. See, you know, Jadobi Awuzie and, and all mm-hmm. the other guys. But that's not Bland's problem at all. His ability to kind of get where he needs to go and then turn the ball and locate it and track it, uh, it's it's uh, it's very impressive. Uh, and and I think that you know the, the, he continued to be in good position for the most part, uh, you know, uh, in man coverage, um, and he had a big pass deflection in the end zone. I think mm-hmm. the one area where you continue to want to see a little bit more from him is in run defense. Uh, yep. there, I think there was, and I, I don't think it's like a willingness or a tackling problem. Uh, I think it's more about just understanding your leverage and understanding what your responsibility is in the run defense. It felt like there was, I think in that touchdown that maybe he was a little confused on where his run leverage needed to be. So, but I think overall he played well as very good. Yeah, as well. I think his last seven targets, uh, according to PFF, he's given up like 40 yards, which is fine, right? Yeah. For a day three rookie to come in there and just not get you killed on defense. No. Exactly what you need. And I think as the more he plays, the more comfortable he'll get. I'm sure he'll become a better tackler. We see a lot of these cornerbacks coming out of college, especially non-Power 5 corners. That's just something they struggle with, the speed, the physicality. He'll get there. I think everything that we've seen from this point, whether it's training camp, preseason, early season action when he was a reserve, and now as a starter, how could you not be encouraged by the pass so far? He's given us no reason to to doubt him at this point. He's passed every test that's been put in front of him right? so far. I, I have trust, trust in him as, as it stands right now. All right. We're going to move on to the offense. Uh, you just want to give us a Micah Parsons update. Um, uh, incredible athlete. Uh, the uh, the touchdown was just ridiculous to watch, honestly. Uh, great job by Leighton Vander Esch to, to knock that ball out. That was really impressive. Uh, at any time that Parsons was blocked, single blocked, he touched the quarterback. I, I'm pretty sure I, I stopped counting at a certain point, but every time I saw that Michael Parsons was single blocked alone, he got his fingers on the quarterback. So they stopped doing that after a while. <laughs> so what are we thinking? Week 17, week 18, he gets a goal line carry. I, I, it may need to be sooner than that. Honestly, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, if Zeke's going to miss some time, miss him the injury, and you don't want to use Pollard there. Yeah. You may have to. You may have to get. You may have to get the Lions some carries. I mean, we're getting to a point where they just they, they can't tell Parsons no on anything because every time they tell him, "Hey, you can't do this," or "You we don't want you doing that," he just ends up making some ridiculous plays. Real so. quick, Joe Witt Jr. like had an interview and and he said he's the first player he's ever experienced in his entire career that he felt legitimately could start in every single play position on the football field on both sides of the ball, except for except for maybe, he said, except for maybe quarterback. Yeah, so, he can run some wild lion, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, all right, let's talk about the offense. But before we do that, we want to tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every single game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every single sport out there, it is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Does bet, on, does bet Online have all your uh, money after ba- betting all of your money on uh, some Lakers games early this all right, season? Lakers so won last night. We're good. I, Whoa, I can't, I can't wow. The Lakers. I, don't, I hey. can't believe that you didn't have like an earthquake over in LA. They, they've, turned it, they've turned it around. The yeah, season's saved. Yeah, they're like 2-6 now. Uh, That's fantastic. Let's talk about the, the Cowboys offense. I want to start with Dak because this looked like – a prime Dak Prescott game. And I know oh, the yeah. opponent wasn't great. Uh, it's, it's the Bears who have been struggling a little bit on defense, but I, he looked comfortable. He looked uh, confident in his reads. I even think the interception was just because of overconfidence, right? It wasn't because he he made a bad read. He just thought he could fit the ball in there where he probably shouldn't have tried to throw it. I, I just thought overall I thought he looked awesome. He didn't even make a bad throw on that play, no, honestly. Like it's a really it, good it, play by Hugh Jackson. It's, it's, you know, I gotta say, like I, I saw some people on Twitter talking about, uh, you know, something to the extent of like, yeah, yeah, C. E. Lamb quit on the route, but Dak still shouldn't throw the ball. And I'm like, well, I think we should start with the fact that you don't quit on a route. Like, I mean, the reason he threw the ball is because he didn't think he was quitting on the route, right? Like, so I, I don't know, I, like. I, I think that's something that we got to look out for. It was a little bit of a heat check. Let's just be honest, though. It was absolutely a heat check, but that, there's absolutely there are reasons for heat check. There's zero reasons to quit on your route. I'll say that. Uh, I, I think that Dak Dak uh, definitely was on and just like was really really feeling it. Uh, you know whether it's uh, uh, you know the pre-snap stuff, you know, getting guys into position, uh, affecting the leverage based on on where he's putting people. Uh, it's post snap. It's 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 dropping dimes to to Schultz between four defenders. You know before he breaks out of the coverage. Some of the best like pre break throws that I've seen Dak make were in this game. Uh, his stuff in the run game was great. Like yeah. he had two big runs, one yeah. of which was an incredible design. Like I really loved that touchdown on the touchdown run. They basically did a motion of of uh, CD Lamb from left to right. And then he Dak had uh, Pollard on his left and basically ran zone read coming from his left to right as uh, you had CeeDee Lamb going uh, across the formation. So both CeeDee Lamb's coming across the formation as Pollard is following behind him in the read. And while that action is happening, the tight end on the right side, which was Schultz, Schultz yeah. uh, uh, ran split action like it was split zone, right? Which means that he started on the right and then post-snap came all the way across the opposite way of the formation. Mm-hmm. So all the flow is going left as Dak is, is – is, oh, here are the two most dangerous players in the Cowboys, right? CeeDee Lamb's going this way. Tony Pollard is going this way. Suddenly the ball's gone. All the defenders are going that way, and it's just Dak and one defender and uh, Dalton Schultz on the left side, and it's an easy, easy walk-in touchdown. Uh, It was really brilliant. And then on the QB sneak, (laughs) that was simply a case where Dak is big and strong, and he got and he got low and hid behind Zach Martin, and all the offense, the line wash basically washed behind him, so he was able to get such quick vertical motion. 
that he just popped up and saw, hey, there's no one behind this guy, so I'm just going to keep going. Uh, it was the longest kind of, anybody's ever run on a quarterback sneak. I, I, I was trying to think about it. Like I, I, that's probably a tough thing to, to look up, but like I mean, it's it was definitely the optimal uh, optimal yeah. way to run a QB sneak, right? Uh, but yeah, Pretty outside crazy. of that. It was just he was just dealing. I mean, just tight windows. And, and, and it's I'll give you another everything. one, just really quickly before. No, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt, but like no, no, the please. Touchdown to Jake Ferguson. Um, oh my god, yeah. It's just one of those little the tight end blocks, and then goes out to the right. Dak throws it before Ferguson even is getting into his route before his head's even turned. I if you watch the Dallas Cowboys, the mic'd up thing that they always put out on Tuesday, which or Wednesday, if you if you don't like, I don't know what you're doing. It's, it's I was so, I told I told my wife it's my favorite show on TV now. Yeah, it's, like. It's, Really, really good. But yeah. there, there's a, a, a an angle on that play that they show where Dak is releasing the ball and Ferguson's just starting to get into the route. And by the time Ferguson turns his head, the ball is right there. Like, that's mm-hmm. great quarterback play. Like, don't wait for a guy to get open. Throw him open, you know. And, and it's exactly – Dak was just awesome in this game. And this is why – this is why we were so excited about this Cowboys team kind of going into the years because we saw Dak play at this level for most of last year. It's it, it just so confident, knows where the ball is supposed to go. It's, he he has total trust in Kellen Moore. And it's why this offense, two of the last three years, has been number one in the league in points. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is that Dak has learned to trust uh, – in Kellen Moore, uh, in, yeah. in Kellen Moore, yeah, uh, because M O R E, yeah, yeah, M O R E, because I think what you see now is, you know, look, I, there were times last year where it felt like Dak was trying to do too much pre-snap. He's maybe one of the best in the league pre-snap at just identifying what things are doing, and it felt like teams were trying to take advantage of that too much. They knew that Dak was going to check into this. They knew that Dak was going to re- recognize what they were doing, and that they were trying to mm-hmm. rotate safeties in the back end or, or do things post-snap that would interfere. I think what now that you're seeing more of huh, is uh, more motion more bootlegs, yeah. more play action, more in-scheme stuff to kind of, again, as we have talked about all season, again, shout out to, I'm pretty sure it was uh, the the Athletic Football Podcast uh, for the easy button comment. And yep. I think that that's what, what Dak is trusting in a little bit more, Kellen, is that he's, okay, let's do let's do it your way a little bit more. Let's, let's produce space. Let's produce opportunity. We don't have to, like audible every single play because we see you know uh, 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 a change that I think that this might be a little bit better you know sometimes the play that's called is the uh, is, is a way to get open too and and I think that the 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 you the increased usage of motion and bootlegs and play action I think has made a marked difference on this offense yes. and I think it started with with Cooper rush playing uh, on this uh, on this team because helped. They needed it to help Cooper Rush, and I think this is what we talked about when we said, hey, we don't want Cooper Rush to to stay as the quarterback, but we would love the game to be continued to call it in a similar way as Cooper Rush called, uh, uh, as the game got called for Cooper Rush because they did so many things to help Cooper out, and and I yes. think that that's helping Dak a lot too. All right, I'm going to say a negative thing and then a positive thing so people don't think I'm too negative. Um, All right. Jalen Tolbert looks lost. I mean, there was a play. There was a play that got hit on it. They were running like a play action bootleg. And I think it was supposed to go to Ferguson. And Tolbert just, he's in the wrong spot. It's so clear that he's in the wrong spot. He ends up kind of tripping over Jake Ferguson. And both those guys are trying to block somebody. And Dak has to just throw the ball right at Tolbert's feet. 
and then he kind of chews him out after the play. And then on the next play, he's in the slot and he doesn't know what route to run. And then there was another one where he's up top as like the X receiver and he's just jogging his route. He's just not ready to play. But it's, it's just not crazy. A, it, it's it, just it is nuts. crazy. Because that's not at all what we saw in the preseason. Like I know. We saw none of this in the training camp. So that's what's so weird about it. But it's not a huge deal because the tight ends have been awesome. Incredible. And the Cowboys can go three tight ends and have CeeDee Lamb on the field or whatever they want to do. They have total trust in their three tight ends that they don't have to live in 11 personnel the way they had to a few years ago. Like They, they really can use Hendershot and Ferguson. And now that Schultz is a little bit healthier – all three of those guys together, and it's a really fun tight end trio. And and look, Tolbert will get better, and Wa- Washington will to. be He's got to. Wa- Washington is coming back at some point, and I'm not like looking forward to it. But I think if you can cobble together your third wide receiver position between Noah Brown, Washington, and and eventually Tolbert, you know, I think you've got enough to do what you need to do uh, to, to score points, especially with Dak. Yeah. I think that that's enough. So, uh, yes. I mean, it's just gonna I, be, to me, it's just going to be Noah Brown. Like, Noah Brown yeah. didn't play in this game because he, I think he had a hamstring injury or whatever. And it was probably, a neck. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was right, a neck. It doesn't, I mean, yeah. I think they're probably looking ahead to the schedule and thinking, like, let's just get him healthy so he's ready against the Packers. There's no reason to play Jalen Tolbert over Noah Brown at this stage. There's just not. I mean, it's not all that close. Let Jalen Tolbert keep practicing with the scout team or whatever because there's – to me, there's a noticeable noticeable drop-off between Noah Brown and Tolbert at this stage. Yeah, I mean, we just haven't seen anything from Tolbert at this no. point yet. It's certainly nothing positive, mostly just negative stuff that's affected the play poorly. Yeah. Uh, but again, tight ends have been really good. And once Brown gets back, they'll actually have the ability to go three receivers or they can go three tight ends or two tight ends or whatever they need to do, and they're going to be fine offensively. It's just got to get Noah Brown healthy. But I, the, the big takeaway for me is I'm just shocked at how well those two tight ends are playing as rookies because we know historically you don't really get much production from tight ends. Like it's If they can get on the field, it's a win. I don't know if either of those guys are ready to become full-time starters. But that's okay. They don't have to be right now. It's a hard position to learn, as we've talked mm-hmm. about, right? It's a very difficult position. I think that these two guys happen to come from situations where they were taught a lot of the skills that you know NFL tight ends need to need to know. You know, and, and Hendershot was kind of a uh, mostly a receiving threat in Indiana, but I think that you know he 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 did a, 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 his fair share of blocking, and I think he just has a physical nature about him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like – he's a tough guy, and I think he, he takes a lot of pride in that. Uh, and I think that that goes into his blocking. Look, I mean, Hendershot, like, his issue is technique. His issue is that you he, he, he hope he doesn't get called for something. It's not, not that the, he's not, not willing to bury somebody. He yeah, will he, he, bury He's got you. the right attitude and mindset yeah. to play tight end. I will say that much. He calls himself the villain. So that just tells you, like, how, how he feels Which about Which might the not be the greatest nickname considering some of the other off-the-field stuff he's had, but whatever. Maybe so. But, uh, but I also think that, you know, that and then, you know, obviously I think that Ferguson is, is developed in a way that, no. you know – you know, Wisconsin runs the football a ton, 
and and he uh, you know he had to learn how to run block to stay on the field uh, to to you know facilitate that. It's not quite Stanford, right? Where they're de- where they're, like you're, you're the focal point of the offense, yeah, and, yeah. and they you're the teach number you one that. guy. Yeah, yeah uh, but I think it's it's to the point where it's it's li- it's a lot like what we've talked about before. I think it's much easier to learn the run blocking aspects in college than trying to learn that in the NFL when you're also trying to deal with the intense uh, increase in physicality. We're running out of time, but just really quickly, do you do you want to give your thoughts on Tony Pollard in this game? What do you say? I mean, oh. just absolutely outstanding. Um, I, I I just think that first of all, like we should give equal credit to the offensive line because I think the offensive line played fantastically, just mm-hmm. blocking off and run blocking, but. Pollard's uh, footwork in some of these runs was just masterful. Uh, the way he, you know, he did that dead leg drop on 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 uh, who was it? Uh, Brisker, I think. And yeah. oh no, it was Jackson on in the in the hole for his touch. One of his touchdowns. Uh, yeah, it, it, I, I think you know if you guys haven't had a chance to kind of go back and and read uh, Patrick Walker's uh, article on DallasCowboys.com about. Uh, the usage, it's interesting to hear like the behind the scenes there because you could tell, uh, we could, we should have a whole podcast on this. That's right. Go ahead. You're good. Uh, but I, I, think I just it's, don't it's, agree with, um, with, uh, the running backs quote or running back coaches quote, but go ahead. It, it's, it's, it, uh, it, it was interesting to see like how done he was by the end of that run. Like he was running dragging. 50 yards is tiring. I will say that. Listen, Absolutely. I, it's, it's, I wouldn't ask Zeke about it, but I'd ask Pollard. It's, I, I, I can't imagine. How hard it is to run fifty yards at one time. Uh, yeah, and so I, I think he—he, he, I mean, obviously he took full advantage of his opportunities. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's where I want him carry wise. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want to see him doing. I mean, I don't think I, I think that his his incredible game had more to do with opportunity in uh, versus who they were playing and and sure. how the offensive line was blocking versus more more chance. I, I will say that I do think that we should start seeing more Pollard early in the game. Like, I, think I, I think more that... Pollard early in the game and let him be the between the twenties runner. Okay. I like that. I mean, I, I, I just think that, I, I just think that, you know, the touches are okay. I think where I would make adjustments is, is when those touches are coming. Um, yeah. Because I think you don't have to wait to... third and fourth quarter to get him involved, right? Like, no, I, I just think it's nonsense that, hey, we need Zeke to soften up the defense. I'm, I, I... That that is nonsense. But what is not nonsense, right, is that there are too many carries that have to happen in an NFL season for either Zeke or Pollard to take all of them. Yes. So you have to figure yes. out a distribution yes. of those between those two guys. And I think you can play with the. You know, I think both should be getting something between 14 to 16 carries per game or for, let's say, 12 to 17, right? And sure. then you you could be on a sliding scale for both depending on the matchup. 100% agree. And I, I, we, I've been pretty clear the whole time. Like, I want Zeke on the field, short yardage, goal line, because I think he's one of the best running backs there. Any of that kind of stuff where you – it's more important to get two yards than 50. Like, I know that sounds weird, but on third and one – Sometimes it's you've got to get the first down rather than worry about hitting the fifty yarder. That's where I want Zeke on the field. But I want I want Pollard to be the guy that, hey, no matter what, no matter how this game goes, we're getting him fourteen touches. Where it hasn't always been that way. It's sometimes over the last couple of years, it's okay, let's get let's get Zeke going and if we can mix Pollard in, that's great. I don't think that should be the case anymore. That's all. Yeah. I mean I and I and I think that 
for the most part, they've been doing that. You've they seen an been. increase in Pollard's thing. And that's why I don't think this is very much of a controversy as it's being made out for this week. Uh, I don't disagree. I will say, though, I mean, I don't know if this is just because it's a smaller sample size, but in games that Tony Pollard has started, the Cowboys are averaging 45 points per game. It's probably a small sample size, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, it's a two-game sample size, but listen, yeah, that's 49 pr- and 41 points is pretty you know, consider- Considering all the small sample size we deal with and all analytics and all of football, I think we can safely <laughs> say that two games is a pretty well, small sample size. But hey, if it's three, it's a trend. That's, that's what I'm going oh, uh, Analytics, right, that- guys. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you for making Locked On Cowboys your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow to answer your Twitter questions, so make sure you guys send them in to me. Uh, Again, at Marcus underscore Mosier. He is at McCoolBCB. Enjoy the Thursday night football game. I guess watch it, hate, watch it, whatever you need to do. We'll see you guys back here on Friday. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off season, look no further than the locked on NFL scouting podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.